Well, after Chris's lesson this morning, that's a hard act to follow, I'll tell you for sure. I was just telling somebody a little while ago, I've listened to a lot of preachers all over the United States that had doctor before their name. And they always use the fancy words and try to impress you with the fact that they've got a doctor's degree. And sometimes they come across, not intentionally I'm sure, but they're dumb as a post because they don't know how to simplify things where you can understand it. And Chris has his ace patch on that. He knows how to make it simple, easy to understand. And all the great things that were said are useless if we don't understand what they mean. But that's the way life is sometimes. I found out this morning that uh, I was going to be speaking tonight, so I had a lot of time to prepare, Sammy. <laughs> but that's not unusual. I can do it. And I was thinking about what I wanted to say and, of course, if you look at my notes, you say, well, this short sermon or this lesson is going to be short. But the important thing is the thing I want to say from my heart, I, I work with a lot of people that are very negative people that have no clue what happiness is. And they're really missing out on something. And I think the writer John had the clue to this when he said in, about Jesus, Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. I remember an old song, and of course I kind of date myself when I remember that song by Roger Miller that says you can't roller skate in a buffalo herd. You know what the next line, next line is? But you can be happy if you've a mind to. Happiness is a choice. Looking for good is a choice. Because there's a lot of good out there that we don't find because we're looking for the bad. You turn on a newscast, and if it's good news, you never hear about it. All you hear is about the bad stuff. And sometimes you get sick and tired of hearing about it. I know a lot of times when I'm watching the news, I just turn it off. I've heard enough. But we have to learn to look for the good in things. What we have to understand is all of us have goals and things we like to achieve in life. But the number one thing we need to know, and I was talking to uh, Miss Shirley this morning about it, and I said, this is really a cat-kicking world. And she says, what do you mean? I said, well, it's like the guy who his boss called him in his office, and he just gave him the what fours. And the guy walked out of there, and, man, he was upset. He yelled at the secretary as he went out, and he yelled at his partner. He was on the way home, and he was yelling at every driver around him. He walked in the door, and right in front of him, the cat ran. He just kicked him for a loop halfway across the room, and he says, what are you doing? You've been up to no good, too. The important thing to know is there's always someone out there that will kick your cat, but you can't let them steal your dreams. As Christians, we're supposed to have dreams. We're supposed to have goals and things to look forward to, and it's important for us to focus on that. One of the supervisors at work the other day sent out a little catchy memo, which a lot of them send out positive memos. And it said, when you have a goal and everything, of course, you plan. If the plan doesn't work, change the plan, never the goal. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to keep our goal in sight. And it's hard to do because a lot of the things we have as a goal are not things you can reach out and touch. 
that you can see. It's between here. And that's where most of us run into a problem is because what's between our ears destroys us. And we can't let that happen. Some of us sometimes get so busy that we're too busy making a living to make a life. And I know we've probably all done that when our children was, were younger. When we struggled, we were gone at work all the time, and we missed out on some of the greatest times of our children's lives that we could imagine. But the important thing we have to understand, psychologists will tell you, that two things are the most destructive things that will kill you quicker than anything else. One of them we're going to talk about tonight. One is stress, and the second is lack of sleep or rest. You give up on either one of them, and you're going to have an unhappy life because you're not going to feel good. You know how it is some mornings you get up, you don't feel good, but you get up and say, man, I feel great. Well, you're not really lying. You're just telling the truth in advance. Before the day's over, I'm going to feel great. You know, a lot of people tell me at work or when we leave here, have a great day. I said, I plan on it. I plan on it every day. Great days don't happen by accident. And the biggest problem that we have sometimes is we settle for good when great is available. One of the managers the other day put up a sign at work, and he said, happiness is this, this, and this, or how to be happy. And the last item on that list, when I saw that, it blew my mind. You know what he said? Expect less. I thought, boy, that's real positive. Just lower your expectations and everything will be all right. Don't ever do that. That's the worst thing you can do because what you're going to have is going to be a long way from happiness. But worry destroys our lives. I hear people, they go to the bathroom. I said, how are you doing today? Well, pretty good for a Monday. I wonder, what's Monday got to do with it? It's not Monday's not the problem. It's usually Saturday and Sunday, the two days before, because they weren't preparing for Monday. Well, you have to realize if you leave to be 70 years old, you're going to have 10 years of Mondays. That's a lot of Mondays. I don't want to be that miserable myself. I don't know about you. Or people have birthdays. And, of course, a lot of people know what I say about birthdays. Oh, another birthday. Man, that'll be the happiest time of your life because I realized, and you know too, that the people that have the most birthdays live the longest. So just keep them coming. But people find every reason in the world to get discouraged and down, and then they try to drag all of us with them. Don't let it happen. Not only will they kick your cat, they'll steal your dream, and they'll destroy you. We have to be careful how we let people influence us. And what I mean about focusing on the wrong things, and I've, I've told this story before, but it just every time I think about how people destroy themselves, I think of Mill Valley, California, which is one of the richest communities in all of the United States. Had Mercedes and boats, $2 million houses all over the place. But that community has the highest suicide rate and the highest teen pregnancy rate of any community in the United States. Why? Because they have everything to live with 
and nothing to live for. We've got a lot to live for, and we need to realize that. It's important that we get our priorities straight. It's important that we get on the right track. And the best way to do that is a song we've sang, I think, twice since I've been here that tells a story, Learning to Lean on Jesus. You've got to learn to trust him. He's made some awful, awesome promises. And if you don't trust him and believe in those promises, you're going to miss out on a lot of the good stuff. You're going to miss out on a lot of happiness, and that's not good. What I want to look at tonight is in uh, Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 25. Matthew was not the first apostle to be selected or disciple to be selected. It was Peter, Andrew, James and John, Philip, Bartholomew, then Thomas and Andrew. But Matthew was used to taking records and keeping books because he was a tax collector, not the most popular guy in the world because in his day you didn't grow up and say, boy, I'm going to be a tax collector when I get big. That wasn't what the deal was. But he knew how to take care of details. And when you look at his deal, this is the latter part of the Sermon on the Mount, which in my opinion was the greatest sermon that was ever preached because Jesus took some of the greatest principles of life and brought it down to where even a kid could understand it. They use the word blessed. Some translations use the word happy. That's how you be happy, to tack this pattern and to follow it. But Jesus there is talking about how to be happy. The reason most of us are not happy is because we're not expecting or we're not looking for the right things. We think, this or money or fancy houses or great jobs makes you happy. I can assure you it doesn't. It's a good pretext, but it doesn't work. And very few people go through life, a lot of them do, and never find that out. The reason is, is when life is all over, all that means zip. It's useless. That's like I talk about money, and I ask, you know, how much money did Howard Hughes leave? Well, I don't know. He left it all. He never took a penny with him. And you're going to leave every dime of your money too. So don't bank on money making you happy because I guarantee you it won't. But Jesus says here, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life. Woo. Why not? He says, because I've got the answer. I can tell you how to solve that problem. Do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body or what you're going to put on. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. You have to learn to trust and depend on God. Are you not much worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can, angle, can add a single hour to his life? Have you ever tried that? It doesn't work. As you get older, the number one thing you'll learn is that you have very little control over anything. You don't have all those choices. Those aren't your choices to make. 
you're a victim somewhat of circumstances. But you've got to make sure what circumstances you submit to. It goes on, and why are you worried about clothes? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? He said, you don't trust me, do you? That's like Peter when he was out on the water and they were fishing and all of a sudden he looks up and he says, hmm, that looks kind of like Jesus. He said, Jesus, if that's you, can I walk to you? He says, come on, Peter. Peter, you know, I think the other guys there thought he was a little bit crazy, but he stepped out of the, wa- out of the boat and started walking on the water and he did wonderful as long as he kept his eyes on the goal. But the Bible said instead of keeping an eyes on the goal, he started looking all the ways, and he says, Peter, you know you're not supposed to do this. You can't do this. So he began to sink. Jesus saved him. He says, why did you doubt me? And I think some of us are going to have to answer that same question. Jesus is going to say, why did you doubt me? Why didn't you just trust me? So important to know that factor. Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly look after all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Even Pud said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be taken care of. Jesus says, don't you trust me? For we spend so much time worrying. And most of the time, the worry we spend is about something that's going to happen, so we spend all of our time worrying about something that never happens. That's a lot of wasted time. Look for what good can happen, and then do whatever little bit you might be able to do to promote that happening instead of saying, oh, my goodness, just pulling her hair out and scratching her head. You know, we can't live like that. That's not how Jesus wants us to live. That's not what he died for. We have to understand that. So he said, so do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. What he's talking about is worrying today about what's going to happen tomorrow. You can't change it. Whatever happens is going to happen, and that's what he's saying. Don't worry about it. I'll see that it turns out right. Now, does bad things happen to us? Yes, sometimes, because usually it's when we uh, don't listen to God and we try to do things our own way. But we've got to learn to trust God. The next thing I want to look at is skip down in chapter 7 to verse 7, where he talks about, and the title of my Bible says, The Golden Rule. You know, and the golden rule per se, the way it's quoted, doing to others as you would have them doing to you, that's not the exact quote, but that is in the Bible. And we're going to get to that in just a minute. But he's talking here about how we treat each other. That's the most important thing we can do. When the people ask him, Jesus, of course they weren't asking because they wanted to know, they're just trying to trap him and trick him into saying something where they could say, aha, we got you. What's the most important commandment? And they're sitting there with bated breath listening. He said, well, 
to love your Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind. He said the second is like to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. There are verse after verse in the verse in the Bible. It talks about coming and worshiping God. He said, you come to worship God and you remember that your neighbor's got something to get you. He said, forget about worshiping. You're not in any mental condition to worship God until you get right with your neighbor. He told his disciples, this is the one characteristic that you're going to exhibit that lets people know that you're my disciples. He said, you love one another. Now, it's easy to love our brothers and sisters. But that scallywag that lives down the street who plays his music till 11 o'clock at night and keeps me up, it's a little tough to love him, isn't it? But Jesus says you need to learn to love him too. He's a human being. He needs to be treated with respect. And he goes on, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks him for a loaf, will give him a rock? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a snake? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give what is good to those who ask him? The important thing a lot of times is like people. We don't find the good in the people because we're not looking for the good. We're not seeking the good. Jesus says, seek and you'll find. Remember, whatever you seek, you'll find. If it's bad, if that's what you're looking for, then great. You know, I had a sermon a long time ago, and I don't remember what it was about. And that sermon says, nobody wants a pet buzzard. Of all the pets you might have, I don't know anybody ever had a pet buzzard. Why? Because they're nasty animals. They feed on the dead bodies of other people. Is that the like kind of people you want to run around with? Well, no. So don't go around trying to make a pet out of a buzzard. It's not going to work. We have that basically as a way of saying you need to be careful who your friends are. You know, I was telling Patty a few minutes ago that I worked with a lady or sat with a lady this week that I was helping to train. And I don't know how church comes up. I don't bring it up, but if there's an opportunity, I slip it in. I'm kind of like Chris. He was talking about his opportunity when he was with his family in New York. I had an opportunity to preach the gospel. He said, it wasn't a sermon. He said, I don't know what good it'll do. I said, let me tell you, Chris, and Chris knows this. All your job is to plant the seed, and the good Lord will take care of the rest of it. But anyway, she said, where do you go to church? I said, I go to church at West Ark. She says, oh, do you know Patty and James Anderson? I'm going to brag on them a while. She says, yeah. She said, we used to work together. And she says, those are the greatest people I've ever known. She had all kinds of good things to say about it. I hope when your friends talk to someone about you, they say the same thing about you. But a lot of, a lot of it depends on how you look for good so that you can find it. He goes on the very next verse. In everything, therefore, this is the golden rule. Treat people the same way you want them to treat you, for this is the law and the prophets. He said, this is the great principle of life. Treat people the way you want to be treated. I talk to a lot of people, and some of them are grouches, and some of them are sweet people. I talk to a lot of elderly people, and they say, 
well, well, a lot of these old ladies would call me, honey, you sure are nice and patient. I says, ma'am, I try to talk to you just like I'd talk to my own mother. If you make a point of doing that, boy, you'd be surprised how many opportunities that opens up. You don't snap at people. If you treat them with kindness, you treat them with respect. And that's something you have to work at. It's not easy. Some people are hard to be nice to, but be nice to them anyway. You'd be surprised what kind of a smile you'll get. I meet people in the hallway at work, and they just want, they won't even make eye contact with you. They make eye contact because I say, good morning, how are you today? You know, and they speak and they smile. All right, I accomplished my goal. Me and my brothers went fishing two or three weeks ago, and everybody we ran into, we went into a store to buy our fishing license, get our trout permits, and by the time we left, we had everybody in the store laughing. Why? Because we were nice to them. We let them know, you're human beings. You deserve respect. When you treat people like that, most of the time, they'll treat you the same way. You treat them like a jerk, they're going to treat you like a jerk. You know, what goes around comes around is the old saying. You have to be like that. It's just really important. What's really important, and of course, this Jesus was a lot like Chris. He was able to just make the toughest, hardest to understand thing, just break it down where, man, even a kid can understand this. But Paul did a great job in something when he was talking about it in Philippians 4, verse 11. Happiness comes from what Paul's statement was. In verse 11, he said this, Not that I think or speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. That's the key to happiness. We always want something else. We always want a little more. The two professors walking down together one day, one guy said, boy, I wish I could afford the car I want. The other professor, a wise man, said, I wish I could want the car I can afford. <laughs> There's a lot of difference in that. It's how you look at it. And some of us have a very negative view of things, and boy, that negativism, I can guarantee you, is contagious. If you don't believe me, look at the political situation here in the United States today. You have to understand that if all you're doing is throwing dirt, you're losing ground. If you remember that, it makes a lot of difference in the approach you take. All you do is get mud all over you and make everybody else muddy. It doesn't help anything. We have to learn to guard ourselves, to make sure we do what's right in the eyes of God. He said as he goes on, I know how to get along with humble means, and I know how to live in poverty. In any and every circumstance, I learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's his key right there. He said, it's not my power. He said, I've learned to trust Jesus. He said, no matter what circumstance I am, I'm thankful. You know, a lot of people, they get up in the morning and say, oh, my goodness, it's morning again. You know, sometimes I think that when my alarm goes off at 5 o'clock. But what you need to do is say, thank goodness, Lord, it's morning. I made it through another night. You get up, and as I say, if you're still sucking air and you're on top of the grass, it's going to be a great day. Every day is a great day. But you have to plan on it. You have to look at it like that. 
If you wake up and say, oh, another rainy day, yeah, it is. When I live in Tulsa, I worked with an insurance company, and one of the elders of Garnett Road Church was one of the guys that I work with. And I went over to his house one morning, and uh, we were having a meeting, and it was a sloppy day, about like we had whatever day it was, Friday or Saturday morning, rain and sloppy, and I made that comment. And he looked at me, and he grinned, and he says, yeah, but I'm glad I'm alive to see it. We have that attitude. we got to have the rainy days to appreciate the sunshine. We've got to have the cold to appreciate the warm. Although we learn how to repeat, appreciate one or the other a little more than the other, depending on what our circumstances are. But he said, regardless of what circumstances I am, good, bad, ugly, whatever it is, I know God's going to help me, and I'm, he strengthens me, and I learn to trust him. That's what we have to do if we want to survive in this cat-kicking world, is we've got to learn to trust God because he's the only one you can trust. He's the only one when he says something, as my daddy used to say, you can take it to the bank. That's the way it is. You never have to doubt it. All right. So that's it for tonight. I told you it'd be short. If you're here and you haven't had the opportunity to partake of the Lord's Supper today, it's prepared in room 100. And during this song that we're going to sing, uh, you can go back that way and you'll be served. So let's stand and sing.